Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. You're the disease, and I'm the cure. Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Cobra. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from the 1980s, my name is Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John. Yo. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Hi there. How you guys doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm doing radical. Oh, brother. And so it begins. Tonight we are starting our journey to find the best 80s action flick. What we did was we went and we... We put together a list of what we thought were the most cliche, classic 80s action films we could think of. And we each came up with a list of 20, and then we narrowed it down to 10, and tonight... We are going to get into our first movie, which is Cobra, 1986. So when you talk about classic action 80s movies, I think that there are exceptions to the rule, and I think that it could almost be uh, classified into two separate um, categories, if that makes sense. Uh, the first one being, if, if you asked anybody, probably anywhere, what's the greatest 80s action movie ever, someone will undoubtedly always say die hard and you can't really disagree with that right so i think it kind of comes down to what you think of when you think 80s action movies uh when we first proposed this idea professor what were 80s action movies to you 80s action movies to me were things like uh the terminator and i really like having these uh outrageous uh, stories that uh, we get to see for the first time. Uh, another one, Aliens. That is just so over the top. And I have uh, a totally different experience in picking out my 80s action movies because I had to really shift my brain into a different place when we're talking about 80s action movies to get myself away from the diehards and the Terminator and such. Yeah, yeah. What about you? For me, it was... Just it popping into my mind, any over-the-top action hero, you got your Stallones, you got your Schwarzeneggers, the heroes that are just unbeatable, and they have these one-liners that just stick through the generations, just stick through the years, that you always come back to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, do you consider Aliens an action film? Uh, Sci-fi action. Yeah. For me, it's, it's I'm kind of along the same lines. Um when I think of 80s action films or when someone says, what's your favorite 80s action film? My head always goes to like a Rambo or a Commando or something in like in the anywhere from 82 to 87, right? That's and probably because when that's when I was the most impressionable and those movies were a very big part of my life growing up. 
so when I think of 80s action movies, those are the movies I kind of think of. So when we decided to do this, uh, we kind of came up with some guidelines of what uh, we're going to base our selections on and how we're going to review uh, these films. So for the three guys in a flick classic 80s action movies list, these movies must contain a muy macho hero with quotable one-liners played by a recognizable star. An over-the-top villain, a montage sequence, over-the-top chase scenes, epic fight scenes, a villain speech or monologue, a final showdown, an oh-crap death by our bad guy, a franchise potential, around a 90-minute runtime, and last but certainly not least, a high body count. So would you guys agree that this is an acceptable criteria for our lists? I can think of so many movies from the 80s that fit this list perfectly so yeah i i think it's great i think the parameters work it gives us a a nice playing field that uh the listeners can follow along with all right and i think that we could take these parameters and kind of base our fuck ratings on it yeah absolutely Did, did you know the movie that we're looking at check all these boxes yeah absolutely and uh not only did it check all the boxes at the end of the day did you like it Because that's what it all comes down to, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really what we're giving a fuck about. So, with that being said, let us start with Cobra. Released on May 23rd, 1986. It was directed by George P. Cosmatos. Screenplay by Sylvester Stallone. Based on the book, A Running Duck, also published as Fair Game by Paula Gosling. And it stars Sylvester Stallone, Brigitte Nelson, Brian Thompson, Rennie Santoni, Andrew Robinson, and a bunch of other actors. How'd this movie do, Don? This movie was made for $25 million and it brought in $160 million. Do you know what this movie was almost called? What's that? Beverly Hills Cop. Um, was it? Basically, the story that I read... And Professor, you can jump on in here at any time, was that Sylvester Stallone was recruited to star in Beverly Hills Cop. Well, that I knew. But he wanted to make so many changes to it. He wanted to take out all the comedy. He wanted to add more action, more explosions, more fights, all of that, that it caused the budget to go way up. And plus, it got so far away from the original script idea of Beverly Hills Cop that they parted ways with Sylvester Stallone. He took all of his story ideas that he wanted to put into Beverly Hills Cop, took them over and made Cobra out of it. Well, he made Cobra out of a book. It's very loosely developed from the book. The book is actually very different from this. The only thing that's similar between the book and this movie is that you have a female character who witnesses a murder. That's the only the only thing that's really close. And then there's a cop that kind of protects her from the hitman that she saw witnessed the murder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I knew the bit about um Beverly Hills cop, so that doesn't surprise me. You know, they said no to him in eighty four. You know, he was probably sitting on it for a while and then Sylvester Stallone becomes who he becomes and now he has the power to say, uh, this is what I want to make. Uh this is also the uh another film that uh he teams with George P. uh Cosmatos in. Uh what other famous movie that may or may not be on our list did they pair up for rambo first blood part two the previous year 
that made three times what Cobra made. And in the same year, 1985, he also did Rocky IV. And Stallone made, so Stallone, he wrote that, and he ended up having that movie, that ended up making twice what Cobra ended up making. And so there, uh, there is, in general, some box office disappointment when this comes out because of the previous year going so well, fiscally speaking, for, for these Stallone movies. Yeah, and I think that, you know, after Rambo 2 and Rocky 4, he probably gets, um, you know, greenlit to do whatever he wants. And, and then, yeah, he, he goes on and he makes some movies that aren't Rambo and Rocky. You know, but yet they have elements of Rambo and Rocky. And I think that if you're not a Stallone fan, it's not going to come across very good because I think Stallone is Stallone. And but being a Stallone fan, you can make him Rocky or Cobra or Tango or, you know, it goes on and on and on. It doesn't make any fucking difference to me. What's the next movie that uh, next action movie that Stallone did after this one? It's one we talk about all the time off off air. I don't think it's over the top. It that, is. That's the next movie. It is the over over the top is the next movie Stallone went on to make. 87. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. My next question. We have done another movie by the same director. We have reviewed it. What other movie have we reviewed by the same director? I want to say it's Red Dawn, but it's not Red Dawn. No, it's not. Do you know what it is? Mm-hmm. Oh, what is it? Tombstone. He is correct. Oh, Tombstone. Point, point to the professor. Yeah, he, that was probably his last big endeavor. But I want to go back just a moment to what you were talking about a little bit about with uh, Rocky and Rambo. Those are two iconic characters for Stallone. And let's go ahead and throw in Barney Ross for another iconic character. I'm just curious, which one do you go to first when you think Stallone? Rocky. I go to Rambo. I go to Rocky as well. Do you got a, Do either one of you think of a, a, a super strong performance by Stallone? Where you go, yeah, that was that's that's a great movie. Copland. Copland. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Rocky Balboa. Rocky Balboa. Creed. 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 Creed two even. Creed two have you seen Creed Two? Uh I think I have. He fights Drago's kid? Yeah. Yeah. Um there's bits in there that you're just like, oh, and Michael B. Jordan's so good in it. Creed is I, I think Creed is probably my top. I just enjoyed, you know his his life that he has after the boxing ring and having uh and trying to bring creed along just how about you john i was going to go the same direction uh the creed movies or the rocky movie he made right before that with tommy gunn um i kind of see the beginnings of the creed series kind of that that character more development gate don't ever fucking reference rocky five Okay, Rocky Five doesn't exist in the Pantheon. Tommy the Machine fucking gun. Are you kidding me? I'm not saying that was a great movie. I'm just saying I liked Stallone's acting in that one and his character development in that one as a guy who's he's kind of left the boxing world. Now he's kind of living his life. I kind of liked and dealing with the loss of Adrian. I I, I like that. That's not Rocky portrayal. Five. That's Rocky Balboa. That's Rocky Six. Well, that's what I'm, I'm referring to. The uh, one, I said the one right, okay, okay. right before now, Creed. I, I knew there had to be a fucking mistake. Yeah, because I was talking about the one right before Creed. Yeah, that's led, Rocky Balboa. Led into Creed. And, and that kind of uh, started his comeback a little bit yeah. because after that, we got another Rambo. And I'm telling you what, Rambo or Rambo 4, as people call it, it's fucking good. 
I really liked it. So, I mean, Stallone can really do uh, no wrong in my book. He has a string of hits in the 80s and 90s, kind of falls to the wayside a little bit, but then comes back, and he's still back. He's going to be in a mob show on Paramount. Well, you're you're bringing up a good point. You like the style of him bringing back these, like, legacy films. I think you've referred to them in the past. Um, did you know what other one he is going to be bringing back soon? Or that he's, he says he is working on now? Are you talking about writing or directing or producing? He is, I believe, in the process of writing it and possibly producing it. Tough as they come? No. He's working on a sequel to Cobra. Well, he's, work, he's working on a ton of stuff. He mm-hmm. has... Uh, he's a he's a pretty big producer these days, and he has his he's had his finger in a lot of different pies. He's uh, he's a, listed as a producer for an untitled female Expendables. He's also uh, directing um, the this other movie for the f- first time since 2010, uh, Tough as They Come, and I'll be curious to see how that goes. It, um, but I'm not going to get into that. But he also. Uh, He's also going to be in Expendables 4 and Guardians of the Galaxy 3 as well. Yeah. What is the car? Yeah. And you know what's crazy about this guy? He's 76 years old. He doesn't look it. He's 76 years old and he's still chugging along. Good for him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been a big fan of Stallone all my life um, and I'll probably die a Stallone fan. So there you have it. You know what else Stallone has done? An impressive amount of awards. He leads the winners for Razzies. Right on Sly. Way to be, my man. How many Razzies did this one get nominated for? I don't know about that. All I know is that Stallone's Razzies, he got a a Razzie for Rhinestone in 84, uh, Rambo First Blood Part 2 in 85, uh, Rocky 4, 85, 86, Cobra, 87, Over the Top, 88, Rocky 3, 89, Tango and Cash. I think I read it was six Razzies that he got nominated for for Cobra. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's probably all of the categories. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. I mean. The movie is what it is and what it's meant to be. I mean, it's not meant to be an Oscar-winning performance. It's meant to cater to people who love the 80s-style action movie. What yeah. was coming out at the time. Absolutely. It, it was very formulaic and, you know, predictable. For me. And it, it, you're right. It's what we expected in the 80s as action movies. So Stallone writes the screenplay for this, as we mentioned earlier. And as I'm going through it and I'm watching it, I kind of think to myself, yeah, no shit. <laughs> and we'll get into it when we uh, start talking about certain scenes. But I'm just thinking, this was pretty much a vehicle for him and his new wife uh Bridget nelson to star in a movie together and that's exactly what it looked like and felt like and how long did their marriage last i don't know like f- six months they divorced a year after the movie came out i guess the original runtime for this movie was way over two hours almost three hours and because of top gun and other movies that were coming out with such shorter uh run times and more action they forced them or forced Stallone to cut this movie down so much. That's how we get the, was it an 80 minute runtime? 89 minutes? Hour and 27 minutes of gold. 
And so he cut it way down. And so that's why if you notice in the movie, the other reason was is when the movie was first uh, put out to the ratings people, it came out with an X rating. And so he had to tone down the violence and tone down the screen time. And so that's why the editing in this movie is so choppy. And a lot of it feels like montages just because things jump around so much. Most of the killings are done off screen. Uh, There isn't a whole, I mean, There's a lot of suggested violence in it, but we don't see a whole lot of violence because they wanted to get rid of that X rating. After a failure of negotiations between a lone armed gunman and law enforcement during a hostage crisis at a Los Angeles supermarket, the LAPD summoned Lieutenant Marion Cobretti, a member of the elite division known as the Zombie Squad. Cobretti, addressed by his codename Cobra, infiltrates the store, locates and negotiates with the gunman who threatens him by speaking of a vague and unknown organization known as the new world a supremacist group of social darwinist radicals but despise modern society and believe in killing the weak leaving only the strongest and smartest to rule the world cobretti then kills the gunman by throwing a knife at his abdomen and then shooting him dead As the hostages and bodies are removed from the store, Cobretti is admonished by Detective Monty for his seeming disregard for police procedures and protocols. Harassed by reporters, Cobretti admonishes them for failing to prioritize the safety of the potential victim. Little does everyone realize at the time that the supermarket hostage crisis is only one of a string of recent and seemingly unconnected acts of violence and murder that have broken loose in Los Angeles, perpetrated by the same supremacist group the supermarket gunmen mention. This film opens on a narration, and we pan down, and we get the handle of his gun, and it's a fucking cobra. I'm thinking to myself right here, we're going to be on a fucking roller coaster ride. Right from the beginning. And then it opens... To the clinking of steel tools. Which gives us our first glimpse at this new world. And as far as I can tell, all they do is stand around and clink the tools. Do they have meetings? I, guess, if, I guess that's the meeting. <laughs> what, what do you think goes on in that, that meeting? What do you think they talk about? I don't know. Hey, man, where'd you get that axe? I just like clinking them together. I think it's more of what polish do you use to get your weapons so shiny? Oh, yeah. Well, that could probably be it, too. And so we're introduced to this group through flashes in the beginning. And in the meantime, we get this guy arriving to a supermarket on a bike. Yeah, it's it's all red. Yeah, and everything is red. And it's filmed, looks like in a wide angle. And so this guy walks into the supermarket and he, pull- start, he starts shooting up. He just and he doesn't shoot anybody per se. No, he just shoots groceries. Yeah, we cut to outside, and the entire place is surrounded. All right, and then we get this. Uh, we meet the two cops, Monty and Captain Sears, and uh, Captain Sears is like, Monty's like, we gotta, we have time, we can do a negotiation, blah blah blah, and Captain Sears is like, no, you're wasting fucking time. Call in the Cobra. The guy who plays Monty, I believe his name is Andrew Robinson. I recognize him as a creep in every movie, just an a-hole in every movie he's cast in. Did you recognize him? Oh, yeah. I've seen him a dozen times. Uh, he's like a that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I've seen him in this. I've seen him yeah. in that. He instantly takes me to Dirty Harry. Yes. Yes. Thank you. That's kind of where I was trying to place him from. And, and the other place that he's probably well known for is also Hellraiser. Yes, that's what I'm thinking of. He was the dad in Hellraiser and then the skin suit for Frank. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, nice pool, Professor. And then he ends up uh, making uh, his last big uh, foray into acting. He he was uh, a Cardassian on the TV show Deep Space Nine. Yes. Yes, I believe that. Look at this fucking guy. Yeah. Well done, Professor. Well he, done. You, look he at is a smile, professor. Well, that's what I keep fucking saying. Now, the actor that played the gunman in the grocery store, I guess he had actually tried out. He wanted to be the night slasher. And he came close to getting the part, but then they decided to go with Brian Thompson, so they gave him the grocery store role. I feel like right off the bat, this scene with the shootout at the grocery store is a reason why I think this movie could not be made today. With all you know, these shootings going on in our current society, not to get too political, but uh, I feel like it would just be a trigger for a lot of people. Uh, I'm sure it is. Uh, even if you go and watch the new Stranger Things, they throw a warning at the beginning. Due to the nature of the world, you know, you might not want to watch this. Mm-hmm. And I think as long as you warn people, you still make it. Mm-hmm. That, but that's just me. What do I know? So they call in the Cobra, and Stallone comes in in this car. Um, what did you guys think of the car? That's the most memorable thing about this movie. <laughs> I disagree, good sir, but we'll get there. The cars in a lot of these action movies became a character on their own. I mean, when you think of certain movies, you can also think about the cars, the Ecto-1, and then this car. And I guess that was actually Stallone's, he owned that car. So he pulls, what kind of car is it? Does anybody know? It's a 1950 Mercury. What was his license plate? Awesome 50. I, I looked and looked and looked. I could not find a reason, a relation to why it was Awesome 50, except for just, he's awesome. What was the car from the 1950s? No, I think it's a 1950 model. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, so I was. Yeah, so that's why um, he just comes whipping in, man. Yeah. And then it's a classic '80s action hero shot, right? The door opens and we see the boots come down, and then he's mid turn to close the door, and the camera gets all up on him, and he's wearing his fucking sunglasses, and he's got that match, and he looks the part, and that's fucking Cobra. The one thing that got me and kind of made me, it was my first, the first time in the movie where I went, oh my God, was the gun stuck in his pants. Oh, well, that's how all the cops did it in the 80s. That's how all of them do it. Riggs does it. Cobra does it. I mean, give me an 80s uh, fucking Tango and Cash. They all do it. So he goes up and he gets into the supermarket and he starts looking for the guy because apparently no other cop could have done this, right? They were scared. I have to object to, first of all, his choice in beers that he picks to drink and the fact that he drinks it warm. Coors? Well, I don't know. There could be worse. It could be PBR. Well, you know he's a badass because you know at no time does he take off those sunglasses. No. No, he doesn't. Oh, he has those sunglasses off a lot. I'm talking about in the grocery store. Not in this scene. So the whole no. scene, he wears them. No, for, for the uh, first 15 minutes of the movie, they're on his face all the time. So he goes in and he confronts him and he confronts the guy. Uh, what did you guys think of this whole bit, this whole opening in the supermarket? It was a good setup to kind of get an impression of who we're dealing with, that this guy is supposed to be always calm, cool, and collective. He's a marksman. He's good with multiple weapons. We know who he is. And then especially afterwards, it's the classic setup of he's you know a renegade cop who you know his higher-ups are always angry at him. Yeah. Professor, your thoughts? Formulaic. It's one of those openings that, you know, we're introducing us to our hero. All of the 80s action movies have them. 
This is just another one of them. Salone's matchstick in his mouth inspired another actor who is a big fan of this movie to have a matchstick in his mouth in his movie. What movie was that? Oh, I feel like I know this, but I can't put my finger on it. Isn't it a toothpick and not a matchstick? No, apparently it was a matchstick. Hmm. All right, floor me. Uh, the movie Driver. Oh, Ryan Gosling? Ryan Gosling has a matchstick in his mouth because I guess apparently he's a big fan of Cobra. Who isn't a big fan of fucking Cobra? One of the things we talked about on our list is franchise potential. I am really surprised we have not seen a sequel of this movie, of this character going on. But the fact that you know it only made $160 million back then, they, as I think you were saying, Professor, someone was saying, it was almost seen as a flop compared to other action movies out there. Well, at the time, during 1986, it only generated at that time $49 million. Mm-hmm. So the overall arc the accumulation of you know video rentals since then has pushed it up higher but yeah it is considered to be a flop the other thing i had heard is when it came to reviews of this movie a lot of people kept claiming that this was just stallone's attempt to make a commando to basically ride uh, schwarzenegger's you know bootstraps to make a similar movie i didn't uh, i didn't hear any of that when did commando come out uh, i believe the year before it might have been 85 for commando when did First Blood come out? Uh, part two. Oh, part two was 85. Yeah. Well, the critics that I read, that the reviews I read from these critics basically said we wouldn't have gotten Cobra if there wasn't a Commando. We wouldn't have gotten a Commando if there wasn't a Rambo. So I think everybody has their heads up their yeah. ass. Well, there you go. So yeah, he saves the day in the grocery store and then uh, we get to go home with him. And you're right. Professor, we're 15 minutes into this film and he still has his sunglasses on. And what is funny is he he's coming home and someone's in his parking spot, right? So he uses his uh, big car, moves the car out of the way and they have a confrontation. And all I can really think to myself is having to make Stallone look tall is probably a, a challenge. You know what I mean? Um but he pulls it off. We see him get home and how he lives, and he's walking around his place. He pulls out uh, frozen pizza, literally from the freezer, and I didn't think it was frozen pizza because it looked like a pizza box. You well, know, it was, but he put it in the freezer. Is but he put it in the fucking freezer. Isn't the freezer on top? Not not always. I'll go with frozen. Now oh, you guys are fucking killing me. And then he pulls out an egg uh, container and. He kept, has his gun cleaning equipment in it. I kept thinking when he originally pulled out that egg container, eggs don't go with pizza. I immediately thought he's going to fucking rocky it. That's what I thought too. Right? <laughs> so, but this is the first time he takes off his fucking glasses. Here's my question. Why not take off your fucking gloves too? I don't know. I don't think he takes his gloves off through the entire fucking film. The other thing I thought was he's such kind of this badass renegade loner type character he had a pretty nice place it was pretty clean and nice looking and that's what i kind of thought too but then he sat down at his workstation and it it was sloppy yeah his workstation was sloppy you know and it was um, weird the way he cut the pizza he cuts it with scissors (laughs) yeah just cuts off a chunk of it and puts the rest away and then as the scene is going along as well i kept thinking to myself he wrote this i mean he wrote this for himself and everything he's doing he probably already had thought of uh years ago right and i think he likes working with this director because this director will let him direct and stallone is a director so 
I just kept thinking of my whole. I just kept thinking to myself the whole time, "Damn, Sly, you're just writing this as you fucking go along." Well, you bring up a great point, and it's something I read as well that every time Stallone was on set, he was the director. Every time he was away from the set, uh, all of the cast and, and actors and crew said that the other director, George, was just a tyrant and nobody wanted to work with him. But he completely changed every time Stallone came on set. Model and businesswoman Ingrid Knudsen later becomes the new world's priority target after witnessing their members and their leader only identified as the Night Slasher going on a killing spree. She is placed under the protective custody of Cobretti and his partner, Sergeant Tony Gonzalez, after a failed attempt on her. When several more failed attempts are made on their lives by various people connected to the new world, Cobretti theorizes that there is an entire army of killers operating with the same modus operandi rather than a lone serial killer with some associates. But his suggestion is rebuffed by his superiors. However, the LAPD agrees with Cobretti that it will be safest if he and Knudsen relocate from the city. So in the meantime, while this is all going on, we are introduced to our bad guys. And we find out through the media and, you know, newscasts that there is a serial killer on the loose. And he goes by the name the Night Slasher. Uh, what did you guys think of this guy who was the Night Slasher? I've always liked Brian Thompson in just about anything he's been in. He has that look and that portrayal that he, he just looks like a comic book villain. I remember growing up watching this film thinking that guy scares the fucking shit out of me. Do you know that he almost did not get the part? He had to audition like seven times and Stallone didn't want him because he thought he was too nice. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, crazy. What'd you think? I was trying to place where do I know him from? And I think that I know him most from the X-Files television show. And I, I was also trying to place where else he was. And so taking a look, turns out he was in the Terminator. Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah. He, he was. He was one of. He was the guy uh, next to Bill Paxton that that uh, uh, the Terminator kills. Yeah, puts his fist right through him. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. And for any fans out there of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, he played two different roles in that show. Cool. Yeah, he was also on Deep Space Nine and all kinds of other movies. Yeah, well, he was fucking awesome in this. And I think they also show us that these guys are going out on a rampage and, and murdering people. And I kind of appreciated not having to see all the blood and everything. I, I get what's going on. Uh, they tell us in the reports and everything that, you know, um, the, the bodies are mutilated, they're chopped into pieces, this, that, and the other. I don't need to see it. You know, he, the actor, Brian Thompson, he is creepy enough that when he comes in for the kill, I just kind of go, oh, that fuck, that would fucking suck. What do you think of the iconic weapon that he uses, the knife that was specially designed for this movie? What do I think of it? It was badass. That's a great uh, villain weapon. Yeah, I, 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 that's one of those knives that, you know, the one of the villain weapons that you're going to remember from this movie. It's almost like the classic lines. When you see that knife, you think of this movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, so they are in the middle of killing someone or had just killed someone and Bridget Nielsen's character drives by and uh, witnesses it, I guess. 
and then she leaves and then we hear one of the bad guys say get the license plate and at the time when you see it uh you don't think anything of it but now going back and watching it uh she uh that gal who's part of the new world works for the police department and so getting her uh license plate means that they can find out where she is and so yeah i thought it was a good reveal that the license plate angle is done with having that police officer typing it in. It's just like, oh, yeah. Well, they have people on the inside. Maybe this is a diabolical world taking over organization. That kind of scene made me think back to, you know, the cling clangs with the group meetings, you know, their little their group sessions, seeing that all the different type of people there. Oh, so now I get it. They're supposed to be spread out all through, you know, lawyers and accountants. Yeah, and, and, and that's teachers what that's and, what the filmmakers were trying to tell us without telling us. You had people in business suits, you had people in scrubs, you had people in uniforms. And the one thing that they had in common was they had the tattoo with the skull and the crossbones on their wrist or wherever, and that they would cling clang their their weapons. So anyways, uh, in the meantime the police department is having a cow. What the fuck are we going to do? We got to call in Cobra. So Cobra is brought in. Him and his partner, Gonzalez, are brought in to start investigating uh, these Night Slayer murders. And so we get a kind of a montage of this going on. And while this is going on, we get our first music video of this movie. I was trying to think maybe we should make that a requirement, but not all. 80s action movies have music videos most of stallone's movies have music videos in them but mm-hmm. i digress music kind of montages oh absolutely would you <laughs> uh brigitte and the robots what'd you think first of all even just bringing her up she was for me the hardest part of this movie i thought her acting was horrible in this movie and maybe i'm just not appreciating her character or anything but I felt like they just threw this modeling scene in just so people could appreciate her for anything but her acting. Well, yeah, dude, completely a hundred percent. Well, I think what bugged me most about it were the wigs. And I think her hair when she's not in the video shoot and she's like in the hospital and stuff, I think that's a wig too. Oh, it's always the, they only, there was one scene where they showed her during the modeling thing with the short hair. That was the only time we got to see her real hair. Right before we have the, uh, the music video, we have the meeting up on the parking garage roof where we have Captain Sears, Monty, and Gonzalez, and Cobra. And, you know, they tell him, do what you do best. And then after they leave, and then we have this small talk that goes back and forth between Gonzalez and Stallone. You know what, you know what you, the trouble with you is? You're too violent, right? And they have that little back and forth. I find that Stallone is either this complete badass steel, you know, that is so, uh, he's so over the top in his uh, macho. And then the other, the other side of him is when he talks, when he's not doing that, I find him to be so timid and so, uh, so gentle. And I, um, I am struck by the, uh, the, the polarization that happens between these two sides of him. I think that him and Gonzalez are close and he can let his guard down and kind of be who he is around Gonzalez. And then as you're saying that, I start thinking about other characters. Rambo doesn't have that side. And I think Rocky's always a doof. 
you know what I mean? A very lovable, mm-hmm. lovable kind of guy, the way Cobra is when he's not Cobra, you know, just like you said. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is Stallone's attempt to, you know, um, humanize him maybe and have two sides to him maybe he's trying to be complex when he was writing the script right he's this like you said a big badass that nobody fucks with he's on the zombie squad but he does you know have a heart and he does feel things and i would think that him and i think the only relationship he has right now is with gonzalez and so i agreed he, he can really let his guard down you know what i mean so right after the the music video scene this is us being introduced to ingrid now she heads downstairs and she leaves the elevator and uh-oh she is attacked. I first of all I like the uh, actor who played Sledgehammer, uh David Rausch. Just Rausch. his whole, whole character you know be I'd be an idiot for not wanting to sleep with you. Yeah. Yeah. And more <laughs> great dialogue, dialogue there Sly. Good job, buddy. Uh so naturally, you know, they park in a parking garage and there's no lights and there's no security and you know, they make an attempt on Ingrid's life and she hides under a ramp and the cops come and she gets away. And then, um, well, I guess this was one of the big edited scenes that they cut out that that photographer guy, her boss guy, whatever, uh, the murder of him was really brutal and bloody. And that's what they cut out. We didn't get to see any of that, which is fine. I get the idea. So they make an attempt on Ingrid's life. It fails. She ends up at the hospital, and Cobretti and Gonzalez are her uh, protection detail. So they go in and they question her. I thought that, uh, you know, God bless the guy who was playing Gonzalez. He was trying. I mean, he was there, and, you know, I like this bit with them interviewing her. And it's like he would ask all the questions, and Bridget Nelson would have to answer it, but he'd always look over at uh, Cobra like for approval and <laughs> Cobra is constantly just shaking his head. Yes. Like, yeah, that was a good fucking question. <laughs> Way I, to go with that one, partner. I guess the actor who played Gonzalez, he's been in a bunch of other movies playing kind of police sidekicks. He says that he got his character inspiration from this movie. If you notice every other movie he's in, he pretty much plays the exact same character. Oh, that's funny. And so I was watching it last night and, uh, they're at the hospital and she's going to sleep and Gonzalez is going to stay and watch her, but I'm going to go uh, do some research with my system. Cobra tells him. And oh my God, I was laughing so hard. He goes home, he fires up his computer and he's working on a sketch, a pencil sketch, mind you, uh, from what Ingrid could remember what the Night Slasher looks like, which, I mean, if you look at the sketch, it just looks like a block face. You know what I mean? And so Cobra goes home and with only this sketch, decides to pull out all of his books. And every time we cut to uh, Stallone researching, he's looking at books with fingerprints, which not sure how that's going to help you. He always has this inquisitive look on his face as he's uh, waving his pencil and he's researching so hard, but I'm thinking, dude, you have nothing to go on. Why wouldn't you just go into your system and look at all the mugshots? The fuck is he doing? Stupid. Which turns into a montage because at the same time, uh, the night slayer is getting ready to make a hospital visit. I loved his Clark Kent costume that he puts the glasses on. Then he looks really, really innocent and sincere. So he goes to the hospital and he's got to get a new disguise 
So he kills somebody. He kills a lot of fucking people in this hospital. He manages to kill the person and not get any blood on the outfit that he then puts on. Yeah, so he he, uh, takes the janitor's outfit, and I like the bit when he gets into the elevator with the lady. You people are supposed to use the service elevator. And then he, she keeps talking, and, and it cuts to his hand behind his back, and he pulls out that fucking knife, and you're thinking she's going to get it. But in a classic movie trope, the bell rings at the exact moment, and she gets off the elevator. This is our second or third uh, indication that the cop, some cop is in on it. Obviously, we know that this woman cops in on it, uh, in that uh, Gonzalez has been gotten called away from the hospital right but we don't know that yet yeah so i was gonna say that's a big thing did you catch a little easter egg that was under ingrid's uh hospital bed her uh boxer shoes and what did rock that said rock on the back of the boxer shoes yeah so the night slasher comes in and uh he's killed a bunch of people to get to ingrid's room and he comes down with his knife stabs the bed but voila it's fucking empty why because she's in the bathroom but what was also happening at the same time uh gonzalez calls cobra and says uh, hey man what do you want i'm at the office and cobra says what do you mean you're at the office and he's like, i got a call to meet you here and he says get to the hospital and he runs outside, and of course they have guys waiting for him. And I, I had to say, when they're having their fight on the roof, every time he throws a punch, I just think Rocky. And then he's got to get to uh, the hospital, and all of this is great '80s action to me, you know. And of course he's going to make it on time. What do you guys think of this whole bit? I felt like it almost, while he's trying to kill Ingrid, it almost turned into a comedy of errors kind of sequence. And I don't know if we have this all the time in 80s action movies, but the fact that he's so good at killing everyone else, but her, he just has the worst luck. It's almost like Three Stooges. And I love the fact that she closes and locks the door and he just cannot get through the door. He's just pounding on it. He's this big brute of a guy. But then when he puts the knife through it, you can see it's a hollow door. And... Here's also what I love. She tries the other door because there's two doors and she can't get through. And so she, what the fuck are you doing over there, buddy? And so she hides behind like the shower, I guess. And then as the knife starts coming and you see the hollow door and he starts to get through, she then decides again to go try that other fucking door and then manages to get out. Wouldn't you think that you would be on that fucking door constantly trying to get that fucking thing open? The second one, not the one that the Mm -hmm. dude's coming through? I'm thinking your adrenaline should be, you know, just pulsing through your veins. You should be able to tear that door off its hinges practically. Absolutely. And from where he was in relation to her and how long it took Cobra to get to the fucking hospital, does Cobra live like next door? Because, I mean, that was pretty fucking quick. Well, he drives an awesome 50 car. Well, that is true. So Cobra gets there in the nick of time and he saves her and then the night stalker slasher has to leave and i thought the fire alarm was a good idea that was a great idea i almost felt like we started out this movie with this night slasher being such a scary bad guy almost to the point that he could be a horror movie villain and at this point where you kind of see you know the alarm go off and you see that look he gives he's now to me almost become a bumbling idiot well i wouldn't go that far that's just like harsh oh man and the the other lady kind of chewed him out i think earlier saying you've got to kill her almost like he's no longer the leader he's just the guy who goes out and you know they send after people Uh, maybe we actually really don't know the hierarchy of this 
No, we don't. We, organization. We, we assume. We do in the original script, but they actually cut out the big reveal of who the actual leader is of the New World Order. So Cobra gets there to save the day, and it is then decided that she should be placed in protective custody. And so this is going to be one of two attempts to try and get her out, out of harm's way. And, you know, they have this big argument in the police station, and Cobra keeps telling them, I told you guys this all along. There's It's an army of uh, psychos, and no one believed me. And the uppers are like, well, go ahead and get her out of the city because at least you're out of the city and it's no longer our problem, right? I'm surprised at this point he knows that somebody in the police called Gonzalez away that he trusts anybody in that police station besides his partner, besides Gonzalez. The fact that they assigned that woman to aid them, I wouldn't have trust her at all. Well, they didn't he didn't do anything with that information. After Gonzalez calls him and he figures it out, that never goes anywhere. I know. What, what's that conversation? I like? say that's what I'd be like, who the fuck called you? Well, I don't know. That's exactly what I was thinking, too. Yep. Somebody called you. Who called you? Mm-hmm. Right. But no, Stallone was just thinking, we got to get her safe. We better take my car. I think this is a, a, a fun action scene, right? This is where we get to the, see the awesome 50. Well, this is where we get our chase that we have to have in a movie. Oh, absolutely. And this is a fun chase, right? Um, so they attempt to go to the safe house, and the new world is waiting for them because of their insider and what'd you guys think of this whole chase bit? I thought it was pretty well done. Uh, they beat the hell out of the car, but I guess they had made two duplicates of the car just to trash. So I thought they did a good job with it. Yeah, I thought it was um, a, a classic car chase. And Stallone's doing all of these defensive maneuvers, and he can turn the car and go in reverse and shoot his gun and then whip it back, which I think is one of the coolest fucking moves in any movie ever. To be going forward, to whip that bitch, shoot out the uh, backside, and then flip it back around. I think that's one of the coolest moves. Anyway, but this dumb shit runs into a fucking boat. Yeah, he destroys a boat with his car. <laughs> what? Did he not see the fucking boat? Can he not see over the fucking windshield? I'm sorry, Sly. I, I didn't mean that. I love you, buddy. But come on, man. And then... They flip the fucking car, and how come the van doesn't go after him? How come? Why don't they? Because they hear sirens? I don't know. So everything's kind of falling apart for the world order, and maybe this movie at this point. That's why I said I, I from that hospital scene, I started losing faith in them that, that they're this big bad world order. That they're more like they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, they're just living by the skin of their balls. It was a car that was chasing them because it was the guy with a rifle. Oh, you're absolutely right. And where's my backup? And why is Cobra even going on this fucking chase? He's got a fucking witness in his uh, passenger seat. Do you know who I feel the worst for in this movie? Gonzalez? Gonzalez, because that way he gets smashed by, I think it was a truck. Yeah, he got T-boned. And then he later on gets shot. He just has a bad day. Yeah, well, he is the partner. I am shocked that he even makes it out of this film. I knew that's where you're going. Spoiler. Because I was thinking the same. (laughs) But we'll fucking get there. So their escape attempt is foiled and they have to start over. They have to go on yet another attempt to relocate. This is where our movie kind of slows down a little bit. I mean, I know we get a lot of, we see a lot of prep from the New World Order. We see a lot of 
other stuff going on, but we get that whole, you know, getting to know each other, going to the, the motel, stopping off at the little diner. diner area and the little gift thing. What'd you think about the slowing down of the movie? Did that take you out of it at all? Oh no, not at all. Um, because it's fucking quick. We don't linger too long. Yes, we do have the getting to know you bits and it, it, it it's fast right um we get to their first stop where she finds out his real name is marion they have that little exchange and why'd they choose marion do you know because uh, he couldn't be called alice no he's a big fan of john wayne and marion is john wayne's real first name oh well there you go i kind of like the ketchup bit i was thinking oh what the hell that that was a lot of fucking ketchup a woman after my own heart Nice callback. Um, I, I kind of liked it. I mean, because, you know, that's me. So they have to stay at this motel, and uh, the new world knows where they are, and so we see them leave their fucking warehouse. And and the other scene that we get during this time is where uh, Cobra confronts that female officer out at the payphone. Well, why didn't you use the phone in your room? It's broken. He could have just gone and checked the room to see if the phone was working. He knew right there she had just called bad guys. I think he had his suspicions. I think he should have figured out right there and then, you know there's a mole. You know there's one somebody who keeps telling people where you are. She's the only one you don't know real well. So if you address that, you make the movie too smart. And if the movie is too smart, it falls off this list. Maybe we should add that as a criteria. It can't be a smart movie. Uh, So he goes back to the room, uh, and I love this bit where he's putting together his guns and you know it's very montagey it's very rambo-esque uh getting ready for the battle and then you know inevitably the hero has to hook up with the female lead and since they were married you know this scene was a no-brainer you knew it was coming do you think she called out marion what while they were doing it yeah oh maybe Cobrani becomes romantically involved with Ingrid shortly after venturing out into the countryside. But Nancy Stock, the New World's second-in-command and right hand, infiltrates the police team escorting the Cobretti party and compromises their whereabouts. Despite Cobretti's suspicion and mistrust of Nancy, he does nothing and the party spends the night in the motel complex. The organization moves in at dawn and besieges the small town. With barely enough time to react, the attackers stormed the motel complex, wounding Gonzalez in the process, killing several members, but with more swarming into town, Cobretti and Ingrid escape in a pickup truck. When the truck is severely damaged from the chase, the duo cut through a grapefruit plantation to escape into a nearby factory. So this it leads us up to another big action set piece. They wake up, they go out in the morning, they see that Nancy's fucked them. So... There's the double cross, and Cobra recognizes it, although he should have fucking known it from the conversation they had that night, but whatever. Uh, They have to go inside the room, and they have to prepare for war. How many fucking guys are coming after him? Well, I want to know how many cops, any cops, carries grenades. Dude, he is the fucking zombie squad. What'd you guys think of this whole town bit? I actually really like the scene where the guy, I think he follows the sheriff into the building. 
I thought that was kind of a clever, you know, without having to show us the violence, we knew exactly what happened. And we, that told us right there, they're clearing out that town. Yeah. They were taking, uh, taking the sheriff and that police department out of the equation after, as they go after Cobretti. Uh, I thought as all the bikes were riding into town, I thought Mad Max. Anybody? I thought wild hogs. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, for fuck's sakes. I thought it was just good that we have a lot of them on uh, motorcycles because then we don't necessarily need to know how many bad guys there are. There are as many bad guys as we need to fill out the rest of the movie. And I figure with motorcycles, too, it's easier to get rid of them, right? You shoot a fucking tire, you're done. I mean, you hit them, you're done. I love the bit when he jumps into the back of the pickup truck uh, after throwing grenades and everything going to shit. And this is where Gonzalez gets shot. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck, they're going to kill him, right? Because they don't show you. They just show you yeah. him getting shot. And uh, I was kind of thinking, well, it's inevitable. You know, action flick. It's Stallone's flick. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. Uh, so they take off. And uh, I like the bit when he's standing in the pickup truck and she's swerving going left and right. But he's still perfectly still uh, being pretty accurate with that gun. Right? Mm-hmm. And... Another oh, we should write this down too. Never running out of bullets. I think that should be part of a criteria too, because I I don't know how many rounds he fired off, but he seemed to fire off a lot of rounds, and mm-hmm. it didn't look like he had a whole lot of clips with him. But again, what do I know? He's wearing all black. Uh, him and Ingrid woke up that morning and said, "Black top, blue jeans," and that was their outfit for the day because they ran the same fucking thing. But this whole scene. Could have been very, very different had they stuck to the original plan of the movie. Did you know that the original plan was to have this movie filmed in Seattle? Uh, no. Yeah, the original plan was having everything in Seattle, and they were going to have the big chase, and they were going to chase them onto a ferry. And that's where the big fight, it wasn't going to be a factory. The big fight was going to be on one of our ferries in our local area here. Well, Stallone, years later, gets his wish. He does film a movie here. Oh, does he? Mm-hmm. Assassins. Oh, good H- point. Have you ever seen Assassins? I have seen it. I fucking love Assassins. Antonio Banderas. I love anything with Antonio Banderas in. Joel Silver. Damn straight. That's right. The other thing that we that was the original plan, when, this, when Stallone decided that the weather just was not good enough here and he didn't want to do the whole fairy scene because it was on water and all that, was he was going to film this scene at night a lot of this chase into the factory, except I guess in the, I don't know. I don't, I know they film they filmed most of it in the Bay area. I don't know if they filmed the factory in the Bay area, but wherever they filmed it, I guess had a really bad mosquito problem. And there were so many mosquitoes at night that Stallone got so fed up and so annoyed with it. He said, fine, we're just doing it in the daylight. Yeah. Well, it's more expensive in the daylight too, which you would think, I guess it has its pros and cons, right? Because you can hide more stuff at, when you film at night than you can in the daytime, but you see more in the daytime. And, mm-hmm. you know, you go to the movies to see things. So, yeah. Um, great fucking action piece. Very over-the-top action, and it was just a lot of fun. Uh, naturally, the car or the truck, um, they shoot the tires or whatever, and so they're on foot now and they have to run. And so they run through this grapefruit plantation, should it be another thing for our list of what is required for a classic 80s movies is that before we get, obviously, to the final big boss fight, we got to kill a lot of minions. we got to kill a ton of underlings before we can actually get the fight with the big guy because the big guy always sends all of his, chest, his pawn pieces out first. I think that just falls under body count. Okay. 
That's what I would say. Thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's what I was commenting earlier with the motorcycles. It it gave us, you know, a bunch of uh, targets for our hero to take down. Yeah. And he fucking does his style. His style. Cobretti has defeated most of the new world by this point, with a few remaining members following them into the building. Cobretti eliminates every member, and the Night Slasher accidentally shoots Nancy, leaving just himself. Cobretti and the Night Slasher engage in a vicious melee combat inside the steel mill, ending with the latter being impaled in the back by a large roaming hook, which transports him into a furnace that burns him alive. In the aftermath, Cobretti's department arrives and begins cleaning up the town, rendering medical aid to Gonzalez. Detective Monty appears apologetic, but confronts Cobretti again about his lack of regard to police protocols, offering to discuss the issue over a long dinner. Cobretti punches Monty instead, before he and Ingrid ride away on one of the motorcycles left by the New World. Roll credits. So this is the moment we've all been waiting for. This is the Night Stalker slasher going after cabretti mono e mono but before he can do that you're right john there is his pawns uh but now this is like a higher level this is like the next level to the boss because we have the nancy chick and then we also have the gunman right the guy with the sniper so it's basically three on one uh with a couple of randos here and there right mm-hmm. um this scene felt very rambo to me as well uh, especially when he's trying to take out uh, uh, unnamed thug number 84 uh, by placing his gun that has a laser sight <laughs> and pointing it nowhere. And then the guy goes up to the laser sight gun and it's just a gun. And then Cobra comes out of the shadows and, and gets him. Another one is when he plants a grenade in like the fuse area or whatever. And the two guys happen to walk by and he uses the laser sight because that was to the shoot the grenade and it goes off did you guys notice also that every grenade like took out one guy it didn't take out like six or seven or, or whatever just mm-hmm. just one guy it seems like a waste of a grenade to me the other weird thing to me and i was just thinking about it is that what was the whole point of why were they after ingrid because she saw the night stalkers slasher face yeah but also because she witnessed this murder or she witnessed, at least they think she witnessed all the stuff. Yeah, well, that's what I said. But haven't they also just created a whole bunch of other witnesses, especially Cobra himself is now a witness to all their murders? A hundred percent. But when you are fucking psycho and you are committed, you will do anything to get the job done. So I think it's just so funny that, that they're still going after her so hard when they think just kill Cobra and then go after her. Well, they were trying to kill Cobra. But you can't kill Cobra. There you go. It's not like they weren't trying to do their fucking jobs. Well, their bit for first mistake is they should have named the Night Slasher Mongoose. Oh, uh, because Mongooses kill Cobras? Exactly. That's good. Good. So maybe that'll be in the sequel. But Stallone, the, if you're listening. But the Night Stalker Slasher is the fucking very menacing. And, you know, the media gave him their his name, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think serial killers come up with their clever little names by themselves. Mm-hmm. Shit. Superman didn't come up with his own name. This is the point where we get the Night Slasher with his monologue. What do you think of his little monologue? I fucking loved it. Uh, Pig! 
Yeah, I mean, he just keeps egging him on and on and on, and he's explaining why this world is going to suffer, and that uh, him and Cobra are the same, they're the hunters, and only the strong will survive, and he says, we are the future, and Stallone says, no, you're history. (laughs) I like how he says, you ready to bleed with me? Pig. Pig. Uh Two funny things kind of about this was, I guess not really funny, but I guess it was Stallone's idea to have uh, the Night Slasher, Brian, to drink water before he did his thing. That's why you see him spitting all that stuff out that he actually had a bunch of water in his mouth. The other thing is, do you know when he was doing his monologue and he's kind of monologuing to Cobra that he actually was monologuing to a script girl? He was not monologuing to Stallone. Stallone left the set to go watch a basketball game. That doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me one little bit. Movie magic, man. The water in the mouth, classic technique. Yeah. So I thought Brian Thompson did a great job in this in this part, uh, especially. But you know, you get your classic fight, and they have to kind of pull it in a in a wide shot and use different perspective and angles to show Stallone not being so short. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it, it always it always fascinates me. Uh, there are scenes in this movie where him and Brigitte Nelson are uh, the same height. But you notice we're only shooting Stallone from the chest up. So clearly he's standing on a fucking apple box. And whatever. I mean, the guy's short, but he's fucking Stallone. Um, I, fe- I did feel that this, you know, the buildup to this big fight scene, it, for me, it was over a little too quick. And I understand that they cut everything down and they edited it to make it a faster runtime. But it, it, I just didn't feel like I got the payoff I wanted. I can, I can see that. And especially the buildup. I mean, this, this Night Stalker slasher was built up to be you know worse than the devil and their showdown is kind of quick but very memorable so they're fighting in in every fight you're going to have the the bad guy start to overpower the good guy but then the good guy's going to find a burst of energy or whatever and turn the tables and i love how the bad guy gets disposed of and actually this should be a category moving forward which one of these movies has the best disposing of the bad guy cobra lifts him up puts him onto a fucking meat hook a la texas chainsaw massacre and just watches him go into the fucking furnace i guess this was another edited scene and they thought originally when it was filmed they thought it was too brutal because when he puts him onto the meat hook he continues to torture him and pull on him and everything so that the hook gets deeper and deeper into him so that's one of the scenes that they they cut out of this you know you keep talking about all of these scenes and i kind of want to see that movie now did apparently it was out there for a while there is an extended cut that got leaked to youtube it has like 40 or 50 more minutes um, and it was on YouTube for a while and some, I think it got completely pulled or somebody pulled it. So there is some version out there. You can see all these extra scenes. Interesting. Uh, what did you guys think of the bad guys demise? Uh, it, it was awful. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't imagine, you know, having that, you know, put into my back and then hanging my weight. I'm hanging by that. Oh my gosh. And then, to watch yourself go into the flames, I'm going into the flames or I'm going to be burned while I'm still alive. Horrible. And, of course, you know, we have a nice little send-off. You have the right to remain silent. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, fucking Stallone. He wrote that, by the way. And this is the second guy he actually disposes by fire because the that one dude with the sniper rifle, you know, he uh, Cobra gets the upper hand as they're fighting and he kicks gasoline on him. And if you douse someone in gasoline, it's really handy that you're chewing on a match. Exactly. I'm like, finally, we're going to see some use out of this. And he fucking tortures this guy. And then that Nancy chick, she just gets shot by the Night Stalker because... Slasher. Because, you know, he's got bad aim. I'm going to jump in because you didn't ask me what I thought of the dispatching of the Night Slasher here in that... um, I was trying to think back to all the different action movies, the 80s action movies, especially the ones on our list, of how many of them get kind of a, a twofold death. Basically, you know the meat hook's going to kill him, and then he also gets taken to the fire because, like, did they need both of those? Oh, I think so because it's over the top. And, I mean, if you're in the audience and if the filmmaker has done it right and you really dislike the bad guy in any film, no matter what, action or whatever. Um, you want to see that come up and... Thank you. You want to see that. And I think that in these times, it's going to be way over the top and way over necessary, really. Because mm-hmm. I'm of the opinion, if my life was an action movie, I'm just shooting fuckers in the head. I'm just getting it over and done with. I'm going to John Wick them, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I appreciated it because huh, it was fucking fun. So... Cobra and Ingrid waltz outside and naturally the cops are there and they're playing cleanup. And this of course has to happen in any cop movie, right? At the end, after we win, there's the debrief and there's uh, always a prick and and that prick has to get his comeuppance and we get to see Gonzalez. He made it out alive. And I was a little shocked. I was like, yay. Gummy yeah, bears. Cause we didn't see him die, but he, could have very well absolutely being the the sidekick to cobra absolutely i like i said earlier i didn't think he was gonna make it out alive but he did and i'm happy for him i'm hoping that in the sequel we find out that gonzalez is now like his boss i could totally see that for sure for sure um the can i talk about the way that this movie was originally supposed to end no good because i'm gonna anyway then why do you ask because it's fun to see that little vein pulsate in your head. There was supposed to be a big reveal in this scene. Uh, they had talked about filming it. Uh, Cobra was supposed to come out, conf- do the whole confrontation with Monty, and rip open his shirt to reveal a big New World Order tattoo on his chest. And we were going to find out Monty was the leader all along, and that's how they were getting all that information, and that's how that lady was working for the police force. Well, I'm glad they cut it because that's just one too many, mm-hmm. right? Or leaving it just as Nancy is the mole was fine. We well, didn't need any more than that. Well, the actor who played Monty approached Stallone and said, you just had this big shootout. You just had this big fight. Let's leave it at the end of the Night Slasher. That should be your final death. Don't go and kill me next because it would take away from everything you just did. So... Stallone agreed, which made the actor who played Monty really happy because I guess he would have had to sit in a chair for two hours and get that makeup for that tattoo done, and he didn't have to go through that. You don't care? (laughs) Oh, poor baby has to sit for a two-hour tattoo. I think that, um, yeah, it too much well i agree with him that we needed to end on the death of the night slasher 
you throw another death after that, does it take away from no, it doesn't take from away. that final fight scene a little bit? Because there already has been so many killings during the whole I don't show. think it takes away from it. Okay. I think that if... No, I don't think it takes away from it at all. But it's an 80s action movie. What are you taking away from? The, the epicness of the final battle? It would have probably been a quick shoot him in the head. Or it probably he probably would have ripped open his shirt, saw it, and they probably would have arrested him. I mean, he was it with all of the fucking cops sure. anyway, right? What do you think our final body count was in this movie? <sighs> I'm going to say it was less than 100, but more than 50. More than 50. What do you say, Professor? You got a guess? I I like Don's. I'll go a little tighter, and I'll bet you that uh, probably like 60, 70. Our actual body count in this movie, 52. 52? That's respectable. What's really respectable is 41 of those is by Cobra. Well, I'm shocked that 51 of them wasn't by Cobra. So that's okay. You know, there may or may not be other Stallone films that we're going to talk about that may or may not have higher body counts. But I think that uh, for the first movie on this list, 52 is is respectable. Yeah, we're going to have to revisit this with our other movies to see how that 52 compares to the other movies we've picked. I think that, you know, this ending with him driving away on the motorcycle to the tune is very a very 80s ending you know riding off into the sunset and you know for what it's worth cobra's 87 minutes and it felt 87 minutes and i was okay with that you know what i mean you know it's not like it was fucking lord of the rings speaking of lord of the rings um and now it's time for john's moment this is the part of our podcast where i like to compare every movie that we were reviewing to the greatest movie series ever made lord of the rings cobra is no different first and foremost cobra in reality is a love story it's about a man who lost his love to a violent killer At least that's what was originally in the script. And that's why he's so dark and so foreboding in that he's got this wall up and he's not ready to love again. Marion Cobretti, a.k.a. Cobra, is our Frodo. And this is his journey. His journey is to let those walls down, which makes the ring be that wall that he has put up since he lost his girlfriend to a violent killer. The ring he carries is a wall that he puts up between him everyone else, and love itself. I struggled a little bit to pick a Sam. Gonzalez, his partner, who is the person that always have his back, so he was kind of the obvious pick. He supports him along the way, and he encourages him towards Ingrid, helping him to knock down that wall. So really, he would be my first pick for Sam. But then there's also Ingrid. She's the one who spends most of the time with our Frodo. She's the one who gives Frodo a reason to destroy that ring for that wall to come down. In a way, she is like Sam to our Frodo. But if anything, she's the one who really brings light into Cobra's dark times. So for that reason, I'm actually going to cast her as Gladriel, the elven lady who gives Frodo the bottle with the the light water in it that saves his life while fighting the giant spider, Shalub. The night slasher is a Urukai. He is the strongest breed of the orcs. So like just like in this movie, he is the strongest of the New World Order. You think he's a leader, but really in the original script, like I 
discussed earlier, Detective Monty is the hidden leader of the New World Order, which would make Monty our Sauron. Everyone else, just orcs and elves. That's my comparison. Bring on the grades. I'm going to give that a solid D-. minus. I'm going to agree. I'm going to give you a solid D-, minus too. What the fuck was that? I had a feeling that was coming. I expect... Um, we. Sorry, Professor. We expect more than that. Well, where would you guys have gone with it? A, I didn't say I could do it to every fucking movie. And B, it's not the greatest fucking movie series out there, dick. And C, that's your fucking problem. And that was John's. Moment. I want to bring up another little trivia question for both of you. Cobra was actually uh, remade into another movie. Do you know what movie that was? No. Fair game. Fair game. Good with, call. With um, fucking, what's her name? She's the uh, model. Yeah. Cindy Crawford. And not Alec, not William. Adam? It's William. William Baldwin. Yeah, William. Yep. William Baldwin. Good call. Nice work, Don. You get the point. Well, yeah, dude. I fucking know everything. I guess I haven't seen it, but from what I've read, it actually was more closer to the book version than Cobra was. Oh, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Cobra was Cobra. All right. What do you guys think? You guys are ready to rate this bitch? I'm ready to rate this bitch. Professor, how do we do our ratings? We do our ratings on a scale of one to five fucks. Five Fucks is a movie that we think is cinematic gold. It is something you're ready to watch anytime. A one fuck movie is a movie that it's been seen and then you have no desire to ever see it again. You're one and done. And what's a zero? A zero is somebody owes me two hours of my life back. Why did you make me watch that? This it's it is unacceptable. I am so mad at you. And in other words, we just don't give a fuck about that movie. Uh, who'd like to go first? I will. All right, Professor, kick us off. All right, so Cobra. This is a movie that I had not seen since VHS. I am. So, I would be surprised if I have seen this movie three times now. And I felt that the movie had a lot of cardboard characters, very two-dimensional. And the story arc of who these bad people are is never fleshed out until the very end of the movie and they have this agenda that they want to go forward with and i just don't understand as we go all the way through the movie that i had to wait to the very end to get why they are motivated to do what they do so that was kind of disappointing I also uh, thought it was kind of ridiculous having the uh, character Cobra being so over the top. But I understand why, because that was how he was written, and that's how he's meant to be portrayed. It is 80s macho action time. That is what is happening. There are a lot of movies that, that fall into this trope of having a very headstrong protagonist that doesn't necessarily need to be a very sophisticated or deep thinking person. I am disappointed in Ingrid. She was she was not a good actress in this. I enjoyed having uh, I enjoyed having the the banter that went back and forth between Gonzalez and Cobra. And I totally dug that car. That car was totally badass. 
it was so disappointing to see the car not survive the movie. It would have been really, uh, it would have been nice to have him riding off in that. But I understand it, you know, it was sacrificed for the sake of the movie. I don't know if I have any desire to see this movie again. There are a few moments, and I found that the cliched quotes are few and far between, and it didn't have a lot of them to me, and I could only think of one at the top of the movie before it started. After that, I, I couldn't remember any. And as we got a couple, as we went through the movie, oh, yeah, that works okay. So the uh, the action sequences uh, specifically the motorcycles uh, uh, with a Cobra in the back of the pickup truck. I thought that was fun. And I also uh, dug some of the uh, shootouts, and it was uh, expected to be just kind of sort of a lighthearted, fun watch. And that is how I took it, but it is not necessarily something that is going to pull me back into want to watch it again. I'm giving Cobra 1.5 fucks. 1.5 fucks from the professor. You I'll, look disgusted by that, Don. Well, I, it was a kick to the balls. It, yeah, it kind of was. It kind of was. And, and because of that, I'll go next. Cobra. I saw this movie uh, when it came out on VHS. I was young. I was an impressionable. This was a time in my life when Sylvester Stallone was on his way up. You had Rambo Part 2, Rocky 4, Cobra Over the Top, Rambo 3, Lock Up, Tango and Cash. That rounds out the 80s. And all of those movies I've seen a dozen or more, more times. That's just the type of Stallone fan I am. And so when we came up with this list and we came up with this idea to rank these movies, I knew that I wanted this uh, movie on the list because it checkboxes most of the categories, right? Do we have a badass? Yes. Do we have do we have over the top villains? Yes. Montages, car chases, over the top everything, uh, high body count. This movie has it all. Now, as far as an actual movie and a story. It's very thin. It's very cut and dry. I feel like that with everything that uh, John was saying about the deleted scenes and everything that was cut for time, uh, this movie could have been more. However, the problem is in 86, I don't know if Stallone and Nielsen can carry a movie like that. And that's just the fact of it because I agree with the professor. Brigitte Nielsen, for me, it's it's kind of hard to watch and she's not a very good actress uh she wasn't very good in rocky four either or red sonia but you know god bless her for trying this is probably in the mid tier for me of stallone movies if we are counting all of his movies not just the 80s this is kind of in the mid tiers for me so because of that reason i am giving cobra a solid 3.5 fucks 3.5 from Dawn. You sure you want to hear my review? Are you going to kick me in the balls too? Get out your ice. Fire away. Cobra fits the 80s action formula to a T. The acting in this movie, it's pretty bad, but that's not what folks came to see in those movies. It wasn't the storyline. It wasn't the big love scenes and all that. Back then, when I went to see an you know an, an action film, I wanted to see the explosions. I wanted to see the over-the-top hero. I wanted to see the, the uber bad guy. 
Those are the things that I wanted to see because a lot of times you want to just kind of imagine yourself in that role as the action hero who's unstoppable. So the question you know you were just talking about, Don, was does it really fit, you know, a lot of those categories that, you know, what we see as a classic 80s action movie, what they must have. So a strong hero with quotable one-liners, check. A crazy level superhero that only our hero can beat, check. A montage, well, if you consider bad editing, making it look kind of like montages, yeah, it's got that too. Chase and fight scenes, check and check. A villain monologue, not the most profound of speeches, but yeah, check. A final showdown, check. An oh crap death for the bad guy, a fucking meat hook into the fire. Yeah, a pretty crazy death for the bad guy. Cobra definitely gives us a memorable hero. In fact, I felt like it could have been a franchise. Even though the movie itself wasn't the greatest movie in the world, I could see the character Cobra in other movies. Beyond that, everything else felt a bit overwhelming when compared to the other action movies on our list. And Brigitte Nielsen did nothing for this movie. She really took me out of it every time she was on screen. So for that reason, and if I compare it to a lot of the other movies on our action list, this is going to fit in somewhere near the bottom with 2.75 fucks. 2.75 fucks from the comic book guy, 1.5 fucks from the professor, and 3.5 fucks from yours truly gives Cobra an average of 2.6 fucks. So that's midway uh, in the scale. That sounds about right. So yeah, this is going to be the benchmark, and you know, moving forward, they hopefully will either get better or worse, but uh, you know, uh, Cobra coming in at a 2.6 and looking at the other films on this uh list i don't think it's gonna be the best 80s action flick according to the three guys what do you guys think i don't think it's going to be the best because i i gotta say there's probably at least five on the list that i know that i like better than cobra all right well there you i go. have to agree with the professor Speaking of which, last week, Professor, you threw Jean-Claude Van Damme's name into the arena, and you threw Arnold's. Uh, I threw Stallone. We went with Stallone, so we'll go ahead and give uh, Stallone a break. Do uh, you still want to pick Jean-Claude? Yeah. Okay. You still you obviously want. Then I will throw in the one, the only, Chuck Norris. And if you like to know which movie we are going to review next, check out our website and any social media platforms that we are on. And speaking of which, hey, John, where can they find us? If they are interested in listening to other great movie review podcasts that we've done, to check out our show notes, movie trivia, and anything else we feel like posting, you can go to our website at threeguysinaflick.com. We're also available on all the social media platforms and podcast hosting sites. All right, so I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. I just want to thank Zach, Ronnie, and Jill for always listening. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Ronnie. Thanks, Jill. And thanks to everybody else who listens. If you're listening to us on Apple, be sure to go and give us five stars. It helps the podcast grow, and we would appreciate it. For Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening.
he said that he's listened to probably probably about 10 of our pods and uh you know it's just him he doesn't hear the f's he doesn't hear oh he was in the car with with the wife and and his 14 year old daughter oh shit i'm (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) who the fuck is michael sylvester gardenzino stallone that's his real name I just put his real name because I thought it was kind of funny that. Hey, the next time you want to try and be funny, don't. Don't. That I think was a more recent movie. Do you know which movie that is? Who had the matchstick in his mouth? Well, Cobra had the matchstick in his mouth. Right, but who who was he played by? Sylvester Stallone. Okay. What did I say? Not Sylvester Stallone. Who isn't a big fan of fucking Cobra? (laughs) Wow, you guys, you guys are starting to fucking worry me a little bit. All right. Yeah, it's not fucking a cinematic masterpiece. I get it. But it's a fun fucking movie. Slasher. 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 Have I been saying Slayer this whole fucking time? I don't know. Most of it, yeah. Oh, for fuck's sakes. You like to see a lot of pulsating going on me. I think you and I are going to have to have a talk after this fucking show. Or maybe a dinner. Last... Speaking of which, last can week... Can you per- speak? You can fuck off any time now, buddy. So, for three guys in a flick, I'm Don. I'm John. <laughs> what What's the that? fuck was that? <laughs> I was trying to do this alone. I can't do it. <laughs> you can do it again. I'm John. <laughs> All right, fuck off. Good night.